Owen Marbury was part owner of an IT service business. Now he's locking horns with his ex-partner Devin and fighting for his reputation and his freedom. But when Michaela Stanford, his former college bestie and crush, walks back into his life, he's reminded of the fire that still burns between them. As their 20-year college reunion approaches, they have a chance to rekindle their friendship and explore love once again. But Owen's battle with Devin is getting in the way of pursuing things with Michaela. With Devin breathing down their necks and threatening their lives, Owen must decide whether to give in or fight for his heart's desire. This is the premise of Secret Second Chances, a friends to lovers second chance romance available on Amazon on March 5th. Pick up your copy today. This is the Nerdy Romantics Podcast, and I'm your host, Y.M. Nelson. episode of our Who Gets an ATA series, we celebrate Black love by recommending a few Black romance novels and a couple of series. These are just a few of the many romance novels with Black main characters. For a full list of books from this episode and from future episodes delivered to your inbox, subscribe to our newsletter at ymnelson.com backslash subscribe. Now let's get into the show. All right, Nerdy Romantics, this episode is a little bit different than what we usually do and that in our Who Gets an HEA episodes, we're going to do some book recommendations. And with me, we have uh, Marcy Stacy, who you know, and we also have a new guest host, Jen Grayville. All right, Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a book coach and a freelance editor, and that means that I work directly with romance authors every day to help them take their books and their business to the next level. So I get to talk about all kinds of stories and um, and really kind of dig in deep. So it's cool. Awesome. This audience is, yes, we are mainly readers and nerdaholics too, um, but we do have a good contingent of writers in this audience too. So with the show notes, we'll have Jen's information in there, um, whichever information she'd like to share uh, along that line. Let's get into the episode. So Today, we're actually recommending a few books and a few series that feature Black main characters. So everybody's got like their own book or their own series. We may chime in on each other's. Uh, I'm going to start it off by recommending While We Were Dating, 
This is part of the Wedding Date series by Jasmine Galori. While We Were Dating is the latest one in her series. It features Anna and Ben. And Anna is a, she says, a B-plus list movie star. I would say (laughs) she's an A-list movie star, in my opinion. She is curvy, which, of course, y'all know I like curvy. Uh, But we'll get into that. And, of course, she is a strong, independent Black woman. Love it. Ben is Ben Stevens. So if you have been reading in the Wedding Date series, you met Ben's, actually you met Ben's brother in book one because Ben's brother is Theo, who is part of the mayoral office staff there and connected to the female main character in book one. So Ben is Theo's brother. Theo's book is book three. And so this is book six. The way they, well, they're meet cute, I guess, is they get together on a commercial. Ben's company is a marketing company, and they are trying to pitch this commercial to um, a tech company. The tech company um, has hired on talent Anna. Anna Gardner. Basically, she's going to be the talent that's going to um, sell this phone for this tech company. So that's kind of how they meet. That's kind of how they get together. To me, I think these are great representations of Black people in romance because they're round, not just round characters. They're not, they're not stereotypes at all. But they are definitely round characters, and they should be their main characters. But they're also shown as being not just strong, but having a few vulnerabilities. And they're not those vulnerabilities that we see in everyday media, those tired, negative stereotypes that we see. What we do see here, and what I really love about these main characters is the fact that they are not just of means, but also that they have vulnerabilities that not necess- that are not necessarily things that are talked about in the Black community, but that should be talked, that are starting to be talked about, I should say, in the Black community, and that should be talked about more. For one, Anna has some issues with anxiety, And that's kind of where we meet her. We kind of meet her kind of at a crossroads. She's just done something really great. And she's actually come from taking a break from doing that really great movie and getting awarded for that really great movie. And she's taken a break. And so that break was actually, you know, she's dealing with some anxiety issues there. With Ben, he's actually dealing with some issues of abandonment and maybe not wanting to be in his father's footsteps. So it's a little bit different take on my father wasn't there. Am I going to end up being in that in those same footsteps? And do I want to be in those same footsteps? And how do I deal with that? The big thing here is that 
both of these main characters are going to therapy and they are okay with saying that to each other, to their family members and to their, their confidants. It's a, it's a thing we do. Like we go to the doctor and that's not always been the case in the black community that, yeah, we're going to go to therapy. That's, that's not something that we just talk about, like saying, yeah, we're going to go to the doctor kind of thing. Or So I like the fact that this is shown. I like the fact that it's done in a healthy way. And I like the fact that these around characters that show that Black people are not just one stereotype. For those who started with Jasmine Glory in the first book, it was, we would probably say it was sweet with heat. I think that might be fair to say, because for some reason, I do not remember the wedding date having actual sex scenes on the page. I don't know if any of the guest hosts have remembered this or, or have read this, the first book. She didn't necessarily shy away. It wasn't like kissing and then the next morning, you know, they're together. But this is a little steamier than that first book. It's steamier than the first book and the second book, The Proposal, in my opinion. I think what Jasmine Galori has done is she's gotten a little bit steamier with each book. <laughs> this one is, as far as heat level, I would probably say this is steamy, especially considering the range and considering what people want what people define as sweet, I would definitely put this in steamy category because there is sex on the page. She does not shy away from curse words, but it's not anything majorly graphic or anything that is in the erotic level. It wouldn't be necessarily shocking if you read book one and you've been reading along. It's like a progressive thing. If you read book one and then you read book six and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is a little bit much, then it, I can see how that would happen because to me, there is, it, it, the heat level has gone up, we'll say. Um, I think um, people who like this book are, are people who love the fake boyfriend trope because that happens. People who love a good road trip that kind of dynamic between star and regular person kind of thing. I think people who like that will like the, this book a lot. Also, another one in this series that features two Black main characters or Black main characters, um, and it is a Royal Holiday. That's actually book four. Not going to talk a lot, lot about it, um, partly because um, it's not Christmas anymore. And so I'm not in the Christmas spirit anymore. Um, <laughs> I do want to say that I really enjoyed that book because I like the fact that the main characters are a little bit older than what we normally see. We normally see 20-somethings. Now we're seeing a lot of 30-somethings. But these main characters are in their mid-40s. And I, I think the guy is 50 in his 50s, but he may be in his late 40s, if I can remember that correctly. We all love a good um, Englishman. So he's British and he's one of the secretaries for the royal family. 
And the uh, female lead, she is coming in from America. So that's how they kind of meet, how that fits. Um, Basically, uh, Maddie, the best friend uh, from Alexa in book one, that is Maddie's mother in book four, Royal Holiday. So I also recommend that one too. I love their chemistry and I love the the fun that they have in that book. So let's talk about a little, a few more. How about Jen? What do you have for us? I think I'm going to kind of piggyback on at least one of your suggestions there. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so much to talk about. So um <laughs> So I think I will, I'll start off with Real Men Knit. Cool. Um, part of the reason why I was sort of drawn to it, I have to admit, is that I loved crochet and I loved the idea of it being set in this, in this yarn store, right? So I was like, oh, this will be, and in my head, it was a totally different book. <laughs> I have to admit, it was a totally different book in my head. So then I get the book and I start reading and, and figure out what, what kind of a book it is. And I was just as just as excited to read it, honestly. I really like her her writing. Kwana Jackson is the author. And, and I really liked the setup that she had here. So the setup is the knitting store is owned by this woman named Mama Strong. And the story starts off shortly after she has died. During her life, she took in foster children and raised them as, as a family. And they all call her, they all call her mama. And even though these boys, um, I think there's four boys. So even though the four boys are all grown adults, they still had this very close connection to this, to this foster mother that raised her, raised them. And as far as they are all concerned, this is their family. This is their family, the same way that it would be, um, you know, a, a blood related family. And that spoke so closely to my heart. My, my grandparents, when I was young, my grandparents would take in foster children. And there are so many that they had, that they stayed a part of our family, um, even, even after they aged out of the system. And I love seeing that as part of, um, as part of a unit, as part of the way that we support each other as a community. So that kind of, that kind of spoke to me. The, the boys are, like I said, they're all grown. They all have their own lives and they're all kind of, you know, doing their own thing. But of course they all come back together um, after their mom has died. She's owned this knitting store in Harlem for whatever number of years. And the big question is whether they keep the yarn store open and try to run it or if they, they close it down and, you know, sort of walk away. One of the boys, Jesse wants to keep it open and he's God love him. He's a little bit of the, he's the one that maybe doesn't quite have his act all together at this point in his life. I love the fact that his brothers give him a hard time about that. <laughs> and they, they, they do kind of uh, remind him that he needs to, to kind of get things together. Our heroine in this book is Carrie Fuller. Carrie is working part-time at the knitting store and part-time at the local community center. And she works with, with children because she worked in the knitting store and has worked there for a number of years. She also has this wonderful, you know, connection to mama strong. And so the book really, it starts off, they're all kind of together. They're all sort of in this, in in the space together, all the brothers, there's a little bit of logistical discussion that needs to happen about, you know, who's going to do what and and how this is going to go. And as you kind of get a little bit further into the story, there's these moments where our, our two main characters have to deal with their grief. 
we don't see a lot of grief in romance novels. We don't see a lot of grief being processed in most media because it, it just makes everybody sad. But when you lose somebody that is so important and so such a big um, personality to have them gone from your life and to feel, especially a parental figure, to feel that, that bit of being untethered alone in the world, even though you, you know that you're surrounded by other people that love you, when you lose that, that very important person in your life, there's so much sadness and there's so much grief and that grief can come at you in a lot of different ways. So I loved the fact that this book um, was able to deal with such a heavy subject like grief, but also frame it with, you know, brothers giving each other a hard time with, we have a, a wonderful situation where uh, Carrie, who Carrie lives in, she lives on her own. She lives in an apartment. There is some plumbing issue, I believe, at her apartment building. And the entire building has to be evacuated and she's going to be homeless for a week until they can get everything figured out. And of course, the only place that she can go is to Mama Strong's house where she would have a room and she can stay there. And so we have this wonderful forest proximity. We have so many tropes that are, uh, that are represented in this, in this book. And so that just makes it so much fun. So if you love a forced proximity book, there's a little bit of the, this is the, the, the best friend's sister or the, the sister's best friend type of a situation where you have these, uh, these four boys and Carrie have all sort of been around each other. They've all grown up in the neighborhood together. They've all spent so much time in this knitting store. And so while she's friends, definitely friends with the other brothers, there's always been a little bit of a thing between her and Jesse. And so we get a little bit of that type of a dynamic of the big brother saying, you know, don't you touch my little sister sort of feeling to it. So that's always a little fun. But the place where this book and Jesse in particular kind of grabbed my heart because there's this scene, it's dark, kind of end of the day. Carrie comes into the store looking for him and she finds him on this raised platform in the, in the yarn store. He's kind of gotten into his feelings and he's just sort of feeling some things about about life and about the future and about his mom. He's sitting up there knitting. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't know that I've ever read a book where the extremely attractive, you know, total player guy also has a knitting habit. And that's sort of how he works through his feelings is sitting there with his yarn and his needles and the two of them sit and knit together and they just talk. It's such a beautiful little piece of, of life to know that when, when you're hurting and there's people around you that love you, that you can do that and you can be, you can be part of that. But yeah, the scene of this um, very fit, very strong black man with his knitting needles, just, wow. I know it was very yeah. sweet. That was a very sweet scene folks. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I would say this, this book, um, there's not a lot of sex scenes in it, but the uh, one or two-ish that are in there, they get pretty steamy. So it's kind of, I think he's called it sweet and steamy. And that's what I would say that it is. Um, some folks actually even call this book a slow burn, which I can definitely understand that. Um, yeah. There's uh, there's a lot that happens. Like I said, you know, these two are, they've known each other for a long time and they've sort of danced around each other for a while, but neither one of them are really in the mindset of being in a place where they are, they want to just like, you know, 
jump into bed with each other because they have this other, this, this grief that they're also trying to deal with. So there's a little bit of that as well. Right. So it was great. Cool. The other book I want to talk about, and the one I think you want to piggyback off with me is the cowboy, a cowboy to remember, not that cowboy, a cowboy to remember by Rebecca Witherspoon, which is part of her Cowboys of California series that she's been doing. Rebecca Weatherspoon is one of those ladies that she, she writes such a great book. I always have a good time when I read a Rebecca Weatherspoon book. So there's lots of other ones that are, that she has in her back, back list, but this was a new series, new to me series, but it is a contemporary romance starring a family of black cowboys. But the kicker for me is that these are fairy tale retellings right Right. they're inspired by they are inspired inspired by by, yes that's (laughs) probably the best word to say because they're not re yeah they're not like they don't go like beat by beat for for what happens in a fairy tale but that is one of my catnip things I love a good fractured fairy tale sometimes they're called where you sort of like get inspired by and, and use little elements of it. So this one I think is a sleeping beauty story. Um, yes. is what she's inspired by because we have Evie who is a celebrity cook that lives in New York city. She's on television and doing a cooking show and the whole bit. Um, she goes to a big holiday party. This is a, this is a book that's set around Christmas, new year's type of a time frame, but, uh, for, reasons that will become obvious. There's not too much of a Christmas feel to it. So right. what happens right before Christmas is that she goes to this big party. Her grandmother had died about 10 years before this, and she still struggles a bit at the holiday time because when her grandmother died, that was her last living relative. So she's she's sort of been going through life on her own and she's gathered some some wonderful people around her. She has a wonderful best friend. She has some wonderful people that she works with, but when it comes right down to it at the holidays and you don't have a, have, have family to be around, that can be really difficult. And her grandmother, um, who, who partially raised her was, she was the person who turned on, um, Christmas music as soon as possible. And so when she is, she's listening to the Christmas music in during this Christmas party, it's just kind of making her sad. And she's supposed to be bubbly and she's supposed to be smiley and she's supposed to be all these things. And she's just as kind of struggling with it a little bit. So she sort of gets away from the party. I think they're in the New York public library, something like that, like some sort of like big space that's available to them. So she kind of gets away, goes up the stairs so that she can just sort of have a moment and she runs into a rival chef. They had been on a competition show together. That rival chef is, is awful and rude. Things get said. And the end of that chapter is that as Evie is walking away and going to go down the stairs to go and be back part of the, go and rejoin the party, that chef pushes her. The next thing that we see from Evie, she has been lying in the stairwell. Um, she has a head wound, which, so there's a lot of blood and she ends up in the hospital and she's in a coma for a few days. So um, it's very dramatic. Um, not to spoil this, but Evie does survive. It's okay. But she wakes up with amnesia um, and she doesn't remember who she is or where she works and she doesn't know how to cook. So they're kind of in this situation where, again, she doesn't have close family. So trying to figure out what to do, but her her assistant knows that she has an emergency contact. Um, some folks that she knew in California, the cowboys, 
her grandmother and their grandmother were best friends. And so they all lived on this ranch together um, during her teen years. So um, once she's released from the hospital, she's able to go back to the ranch so that she can heal. Um, if she stays in New York City, she's going to be, uh, it's going to be a problem because she has no memory of people or places. And if she is out on the sidewalk, people are going to recognize her. Um, she's, she's just that famous. So she goes to this ranch where she can kind of hide and heal and work on getting her memory back and so forth. So, um, so that's kind of a, that's the setup. She hasn't, there's one of the brothers, Zach, that when they were young, there were definitely some feelings there. She was definitely falling in love with him. And when she told him, he pushed her away and said, no, you should, you should go to culinary school and go live a big life and not be here on the ranch and all that kind of thing. And it broke her heart. So she has not spoken to him in 10 years. Um, and now she has to go and hang out with him. So the struggle here though, is that she doesn't remember this fight. She doesn't remember why they're not speaking. And when he sees her, he immediately is like, oh my gosh, Evie's back. Evie's back. I have missed her so much. And, and you kind of get the feeling that he has not been able to have a romantic relationship, like a real you know, strong romantic relationship with anyone. His brother kind of teases him about being quite the player. And that maybe that's because he's just been in love with Evie his whole life and nobody else will ever replace her. And that's kind of sweet. That's just a real sweet, you know, little heartwarming thing. You have this big, bad cowboy, you know, who's super, super charming and quite the player. And then you find out that he has this soft little heart. Okay. Again, more catnip for me. <laughs> And it's just so interesting how like them together when she has lost her memory is so cute and sweet. Oh my gosh. It really is. Oh it's gosh. so sweet. I love that. He's, he's trying so hard to be good, but one of the things that she doesn't remember is that she doesn't remember what sex is like, and she doesn't know <laughs> what certain she doesn't know what certain, um, oh, terms. Yeah. That's the, that's the cleanest way to say that. Yeah. yeah. And so she doesn't know, <laughs> she doesn't remember like innuendo. She can speak English just fine. Like her, her language, her language centers are fine, but she doesn't necessarily understand slang. Slang yeah. doesn't really. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially new slang. <laughs> so. <laughs> And so she's like, she's like, well, this guy is kind of safe. Like, I don't know if I want to go back to New York city and like not know what sex is. So <laughs> it's something very, it is so sweet. And so sort of innocent, isn't the right word, but there's a little bit of innocence there. And it's very, it sweet. is, it so is. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it totally is, but you know, the, the, uh, the thing that I remember the most about this particular book is the grandma Miss or Miss Ugh. Leona. Oh my right? God. Don't you want a Miss Leona in your life? Yes. Oh, some of us had a Miss Leona. Oh, I did. I had one. Yes, I had a Miss Leona. She is something else. She's like, okay, y'all. <laughs> She's serious about everything. But she's, but at the same time, she's, she's definitely nurturing. She's like, everybody come into the house and 
cooking and all of this stuff. It's, it's just, but at the same time, you don't cross Ms. Ms. Leona. You, you, you do you not mess her. with her. Yeah. Her, follow her rules. That's right. And oh gosh, that scene, there's a, there's a phone call between them towards the end of the book. When Evie, Evie just, she's, she's had a disappointment. She's by this point, she's left the ranch and she's, she's kind of needs somebody to talk to. And she reaches out to her as a sort of a grandma figure. Mm-hmm. And then she gets advice as a celebrity black woman. Right. Instead, or both. She actually gets both. Yeah. And she's like, oh my gosh, yes, this is the person. So I don't think we mentioned that Miss Leona is a very famous actress. Oh yes. Right. Like Academy Award winning actress. Yes. Yes. And then Zach's father is also a famous actor. Zach's brother is a famous actor. So um, there's a whole family of celebrity in this. And so there, it gives them a certain insight and understanding to what it means to be a black celebrity, which I think is lovely, but, um, but yeah, but those scenes with, with Miss Leona, when she is, when she can be both that, um, that professional contact, that mentor advisor, all the way down to being that soft grandmotherly figure that you just sort of want, you want to feel her giving you a hug and, um, just makes for a really, really lovely and satisfying read sort of hit a lot of different key points there. Yeah. Yeah, it did. To piggyback on that, so I read, I did read book one, obviously, but I also read book two in this series. And book two is If the Boot Fits. And this one is inspired by Cinderella. I, I won't go into a lot since we're already, we've already talked a lot about the series, but this one features the brother, uh, Sam, the brother who's the actor. And he has just won an Academy Award. As we enter this book, he's waking up with this woman that he calls Miss Cha-Cha because they dance together. Just woken up from a one night stand. We don't see the one night stand, of course, but uh, basically has woken up from a one night stand. The whole series, I think the one thing that I want to say about the series and especially about representation that really got to me, I guess, and is the the fact that we see not only these, not only these celebrity level, celebrity level Black people, but we also see Black cowboys, which we don't see a lot Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. for my generation when we were growing up, we had um, the big movie Posse. That was like that was like our movie with you know with with black cowboys in it. You know now they've done um, the Netflix movie. Remind me what that the name of it is. The harder they fall. Yes. Yes, it's the harder they fall. Yes. Yeah, the historical. So, so you know we we see very few representations we'll say in Hollywood, we see very few representations of black cowboys and there are a lot of black cowboys out there. And these black cowboys know how to rodeo. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) They do rodeo shows. I'm like, um, yes, Yes. I'm all for this. I want to see this 
on the big screen. You know, do this on the big screen, please. We need more of this. Netflix, Absolutely. I'm talking to you. Um, no, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'm, you know, we, we just, we need to see more of this there. And, um, and two, it, I guess this kind, this one kind of piggyback, piggybacks on while we were dating a little bit too, for me, because we've got an award-winning celebrity we uh, who is pitted against or who is getting together with somebody who's an assistant uh, in the biz, in the industry. And she actually wants to be a writer and has written this uh, some fan fiction of a show she's written a lot of things but one thing that they mention in this book is that she's written some fan fiction of a show and y'all it's a nerdy show it's a sci-fi like show that she's written she's like you know I want people to I want to see people on the screen doing xyz in space or Uh you know abc Hmm. in space I mean she's like she's like this you know sci-fi kind of right so it's just like all of these little wonderful, yummy things in this book all come kind of together here. <laughs> the other thing that, you know, it just is funny to me that it happens because as we know, award season is in, well, Oscar, Oscar um, night is in February. So right. of course, this is around Valentine's Day that this book is happening. It's funny because Sam is inviting her to, the ranch for a weekend just to kind of like get away and he doesn't realize that it's valentine's day <laughs> and i'm like yeah, that's me <laughs> yeah i would be doing something like what valentine's day yeah um that would be me um yeah it, it's just it's very these books are hilarious to me i would put these in the romantic comedy category definitely i think yes. they're solidly romantic comedies also uh i listened to this series in on audiobook um so that was kind of fun too <laughs> and there is a book three out um and that is with the older brother jesse but it just came out, I think, at the end of last year. So I haven't gotten a chance to read it, but I, I totally recommend these. So what did you say the heat level was for this, Jen? So I think this is another one. I think this is another one that I would put in the sweet steamy category because um, they don't, there's not a lot of sex scenes in this. Right. I think there's right. only one, there's a couple makeout sessions and then there's one, um, there's one scene with naked, naked times. So, right. Right. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're open door, but like, right. They're not a lot of sexy. There's like one. Yeah. And I think there was like one and if, if the boot fits as well. So, um, you know, if, if you're solidly in the sweet, clean romance area, this is not for you. Uh, these people do have adult language and you do see adult times but you don't see a lot of them if you're okay with that while we're talking western and while we're talking out west stacy how about tell us about forbidden 
Okay, well, Forbidden is my book that I've read and it's from um, Beverly Jenkins. As you know, that I really wasn't a big romance reader until, you know, I occasionally read romances, but for me, romances were more like a palate cleanser because I would read stuff that was more dark and it's like, okay, I need to read something light. But this was suggested, Marcy, you suggested, suggested this. I was a little bit skeptical at first because I typically didn't read romance, romance novels, but this is a historical romance novel and it's Black historical romance. And I'll be honest, if you told me about like, hey, you want to travel back in time? Being Black is like, where I'm going to go to the 70s. That's about as far back as I really would like to go. So <laughs> right. reading, you know, when I get a romance novel, it's a historical um, romance. And then you have Black historical romance. I'm like, okay, how's this going to go? But it was actually a really great read. And they've kind of moved it out. Like I said, it's out west. And in the two main characters is um, Edie. And uh, Edie Carmichael is the heroine. And she's the, she reminds me of Tiana from the, um, the, the Disney movie. Yes. The princess um, and the frog. The princess, princess and the, the frog. frog. Yeah. Sorry, I did not see the movie. And uh, Tiana, yeah. <laughs> Tiana. Yeah. But, um, because she cooks and she wants to, you know, have something of her own. And then you have Ryan Fontaine. And I think that is about as romantic, <laughs> romantic hero kind of name is Fontaine as you can get I know um <laughs> so he is actually black but he's white passing so he's actually passing and so when you read the book he's passing and he's basically being a success he's you know made a, a name for himself he has money he has basically getting the things that he thought he wanted in life um but he's doing that by basically passing as white she comes in is kind of kind of destroying what not destroying, but he's reconsidering what he wanted because he knows if he wants to be with her, the only way he can be with her is to actually come out. I like that because they have that connection and they are having an attraction, but at the same time, they're fighting it. And it's not one of those because she doesn't want to be a kept woman. And so, and that's, and because she doesn't know that he's passing, that he isn't amazing white, that they could marry. She doesn't know that. And so she's like, yeah, I might feel attracted to him, but, you know, what does love have to do with it? I mean, she doesn't, she wants what she wants out of her future, which is a stable life, love on equal terms. And at the time, she thinks that she won't be able to get that from him. And you do have some of the aspects of them being black in that time frame, especially her being black and then later on when we find out if he actually is gonna actually is gonna say that you know he's gonna actually come out and state that he is black to everyone why is it you know that there are things that are going on in the world that you know it's gonna make life and heart difficult and they still manage to get together and they still manage to have a connection and I really enjoyed that I mean it was a surprising read because I'm gonna be honest I did not think I was gonna like it but I really enjoyed it and watching them that miscommunication I think we've talked about this if only just had one good conversation all of this would be yes be exactly <laughs> and that's what you just tell yes. her you see you know, this can all be solved just like that but that whole miscommunication thing the whole thing through for most of it until they finally admit 
that's something that even though I think just have one good conversation, I enjoyed that they didn't and that there was miscommunication. And because of that, that added to the story. Really, when I think of stories, all stories are the same in a way. There's always, you already know how the story's going to go. For most romance books, for most murder mysteries, you know how it's going to go. Someone's going to, you know, people are going to get together. Criminal's going to be found. But is that story good enough? Is that story interesting enough to have me keep reading it for the whole length of it? And this and this book meant that. I finished the book and we know that there are some <laughs> books that we read that I didn't finish. So yeah. the fact <laughs> yeah. that I did indicate to me that sure. was a good book. The only thing I say negative about it for a romance novel, it was more of the I say, I want to say sweet, steamy, but sweet teasing. Cause it's like, that yeah. was it. What if right. <laughs> right. So that, so that, right. uh, I think the term going around now is called sweet with heat. Okay, so, so we like we know stuff happened, but we don't see none of that stuff actually. Oh, okay, yeah, then that's what it was. The, there's was implication that things happen. But. Yes, implication right. and a fish like, oh, that is, and then it's like that was it. We could have gone to. <laughs> it was most definitely sweet with heat, but I was calling it sweet and teasing. So, but overall, it still kept me going to read it to the very end, and. To kind of prepare for this, I was trying to reread it a little bit. And I was like, gosh, I really do need to read the next part of this series because there is several novels of this. And Marcy will mm-hmm. probably know more details of it. That um, I was like, oh, I might just keep and find the others on Kindle if I can and read the rest of the series. I did read uh, the rest of the series and, I, and it was interesting. And you do find out more about Ryan and his family mm-hmm. and his legacy and what being with Edie how he evolved from mm-hmm. from their story to some others. Yeah, so I do think it's worth reading the rest of the series. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. D- does it stay with Ron and um and Edie? Or no, and, but and they it become, just goes or they or are they standalones like each I think couple has well, this sounds like a standalone, but but when you read it, they're referencing people like his sister i was like oh that's probably gonna be another story and they reference okay. like this mm-hmm. so i mean they're sort of like that so you know that there's an out or something there's gonna they can have another book and they don't necessarily have to read the other books to get it but they will probably reference them but marsh can probably give you more on that right so they appear in the the characters cross and they appear in other stories yeah but at different points in time sometimes at the point in time of part of the story that you already read but sometimes not and so it's interesting to see how they show up but you can read them as standalones and you don't necessarily have to know their backstory uh but it's fun if you do to then see them show up in another story um because because when you look at the types of um businesses they own and that kind of thing then you start to, to see the evolution um of the story and of the the landscape uh, of the history that she's telling along with this romance doc and sylvie do they get their own story doc and sylvie do get their own story yes. oh my gosh i gotta read that then oh <laughs> So I, I I did go I, I did go read because this was one of the ones that was on my TBR and I kept picking and I noticed on my Goodreads that I kept picking this one up and reading part of it and putting it back and I think part of it is 
I kind of feel like Stacy a little bit. It's like when when we talk about black people in the 18, this was like in the Reconstruction era, like the 1860s, mm-hmm. 1870s. And it's like, you know, this is before the, the, the clan just overtook, like the clan was just starting to like take over then. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's like, oh, do I really, do I really want to put myself through this? Kind yes, of because, yes. because yes. this is, because this so is a period and she is telling the story from Black empowerment. So yes, yes. you want to read these stories mm-hmm. because yes, these are the stories of the towns that we built and the newspapers that we ran and the black female doctors, black cowboys and black lawmen and black business owners. Yes, you want to read these stories because they are in that gap that gets so lost in the history of destruction. But what about all that we built? And so one of the things that I love Mm -hmm. about these stories is the context and the history behind it really does inspire you. And then to see how she flipped that to modern day in this in the blessing series and brought these same stories to life but connected them to to the now I think I think Beverly Jenkins as a storyteller did an amazing job there in connecting these two periods in time and I think she'll change your mind and readers like you about reading her her uh, historical genre and then visiting her um, and and seeing more of that in her contemporary with that blessing series as well, and that's why Miss Bev is the goat. Everybody knows it. That is um, why Miss Bev <laughs> is the goat. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but I will say about this one, I I did I did manage to finish this one, and it did give me that. It's exactly like what Marcy is saying because it's it's in that period that's like. That was like right after the war where black people were being were actually being able to explore what it is to live in American society and actually be a part of that society. And we were built, we were building cities, y'all. We were building mm-hmm. cities, and especially out west, where we, you know, made me think about Black Wall Street, you know. And mm-hmm. I was kind of reading this. I mean, it's it's not in that state. It, this is Virginia State, Nevada. But what I what I actually found interesting is um, into what kind of bothers me some about when people get a little. There are some historical romance readers out there. Y'all know who y'all are, who like to nitpick about the history of things and first of all first of all you're reading a novel this is not you know specific to exactly what happened to some you know to somebody but at the second the second thing is people researched especially miss bev i mean the woman was a librarian for goodness sakes um (laughs) so people research and what i really like here and I want to ask if this is done, if she does this in all of these, or is it because people wanted to see this story happen with Ron, but she was talking about Virginia City, where this story is set, where Forbidden is set, and she actually got the idea from the story by actually seeing an article about an uh, uh, archaeological dig that they did 
where they found Virginia City, Nevada, and they found these things at Virginia City, Nevada. And she was uh, talking about, she was talking about the history of it at the end, you know, referencing some actual historical, uh, some actual articles, you know, about Virginia City. And, you know, and I thought, I thought, wow, that was neat. You know, it's just, it's like, she, she took that piece of real history as her foundation and, and, and built this and built the book on this, but it kind of made it, it kind of made a entertaining, but also I learned something at the same time. Exactly. And I think that was great. And, and I, and I feel just, I feel like if I were to be, if I were in that time, I'm glad I'm not, but if I were in that time, I feel like I could actually do it. I could actually make it. <laughs> because well, that's funny because one one of the stories is about a newspaper. Uh, so I really think you should read that one. I don't, I've read them also. Now I don't remember which story that was, but there's there's one about a, a newspaper reporter and that was pretty interesting. And so as a writer, I think you'll find that one interesting. Um, but she did leverage the the history of Virginia City if you look at her blessing series and you look at the connection to her historical romances you'll see that she re-envisioned that town and so I think that's also something to to again where she brings Mm -hmm. and the July family which is one of the families in some of her her novels and she takes them out of the historic and brings them into their ancestors and into the now so I think it's another one of those where yeah once you get invested in in these but I do the history and the storytelling is really um it's really interesting and that that there are all these different kinds of romances and I think the other thing that is really fun about her historicals is that there are all different kinds of female leads yeah. and female, um, male-female relationships uh, and who's attractive and how and, um, and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. So I think that's also kind of fun uh, to look at as well. You got really strong women characters. You got um, women characters who are um, who, who are a bit more fragile, it appears, um, until you get to know them better. You, mm-hmm. you got to read them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And speaking of series with, with a lot of families and a lot of different portrayals of us, um, not just one portrayal of us, Marcy, tell us about Iris Bowling and the Heart series. All right, so my offering and my suggestion is Iris Bowling in the Heart series. And Iris Bowling is an author out of Virginia, and she actually started writing while she was still working her corporate career. And the thing that drew me to this the series and these characters is that they were both everyday people and extraordinary people. And what I mean by that is that they were people you could meet on the street that that are approachable in their character makeup but also we're talking about someone who is going from district attorney to mayor to you know the governor to president like we're, we're talking about um, Tracy the the female character in the core relationship and she is 
genius level smart, you know, started a, started a business with her best friend when they were still in college. That is, that is a technology company, basically, uh, that is hugely successful when she meets JD. You have these powerful characters coming together. Uh, she doesn't have the finesse that he does because, again, she comes from this tech background and of being really smart and um, not necessarily being perceived as what beautiful is. But in JD's, as he's looking at his wife and what his helpmate looks like, he's like, you know, she's it. She's she's she has everything that you would need if you were going to end up being president one day and then their circle of friends the connection between JD and Tracy is his sister Ashley who is Tracy's best friend his circle of friends Brian and that group and then her circle of friends with uh Ashley as the story evolves there are more characters that come in and out of the stories but it grips you from the beginning it's definitely romance there are relationships of all kinds there are relationships that come together there are some that fall apart and then the person gets that happily ever after I think that's another thing that I appreciated was that some of the stories weren't quick and easy some of them took some evolution of the people in order to get to their happily ever afters. So people do in her stories get them, but they're not always easily obtained, uh, which I think is the, the truth of, of relationships. So I do appreciate that as well. The characters are engaging. You'll, there'll be some you hate. I, I will not lie. There are some you're going to hate. There are some that you're going to love from the beginning. There are some that you're not going to be sure about because in different scenarios, you can, it's like any, anything you like, you're not sure where they're coming from. So you're not, especially if you've aligned yourself with another character, then you're like, I don't know how I feel about it. Like you get personally invested the way that she writes. I feel like you can get invested in these characters, especially because these stories span these series. And so sometimes you're like, I don't, you know, I want to fight her, but, um, (laughs) but two stories later, you'll be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I still, I, I still don't know if I love her, but I don't want to fight her anymore. Like, it's like that. But the love stories, we're talking Black love. We're talking these core characters who establish this relationship and take it all the way, who raise families and try to instill these things in their children. And then the relationships that are rocky, although there are not... <laughs> It's not the stereotypical kinds of things, but there are, I mean, there are some people in these novels who are definitely from the streets, but where they've evolved to by the time you meet them Mm -hmm. is quite interesting in and of itself. Um, The dynamic between Tracy and her brother, uh, Al Day, and his and their relationship and how those interpersonal relationships then span out into their own stories is, is really nice. You get to see love evolve and again strong characters different types of relationships different types of perceptions of what is um strong what is womanly what is the homemaker version versus the the person who's who's working constantly all the different dynamics of family of of relationships of genuine love and and acceptance of people and their flaws i think it's something that her stories really capture like the the parts of people that that make you want to choke them but also you love them. So <laughs> trying and, to evolve for the sake of love. Yeah. And see, that's what I think that all of the, well, all of these, these selections, but especially um, 
with with that series it sounds like we see an evolution and if we do see something that's stereotypical we're not looking at that as a two-dimensional character that those people are going to evolve or that person or that character is going to evolve and we're going to see something different from that character yes yes and and when you're tempted and when you're tempted by description to stereotype then when you see this character speak then you're like wow that's not what I expected so I think she does that uh in a in a really lovely way I I also think so the heart series was where she started but she introduced characters in each of those stories and some of them are the people that surround JD and Tracy in their political and work life out of that came an offshoot of another family and so you have the heart series and then tangential to that series but woven through it in a lot of places are is this series that she called the gems and gents and they are joe and sally lassiter's children and joe and sally are have been married forever and have a million kids i think there's like 12 or 13 of them and so all the sons are named after biblical names and those are the gents but all of the daughters are named after uh, precious stones and they are the gems Mm. so you have joshua you have samuel you have jade you have sapphire who goes by fire you have ruby you have opal and so throughout these stories you would hear about them in the heart series but then once we got invested in, in them as characters their love stories and the evolution of their families uh became the gems and gent series while you can read the heart series as standalones it's also fun to read it and then to get a gems and gent in the in between that kind of gives you okay. glimpses into the story but also tells you a whole lot more about those characters and how they got to the places there that are mentioned in the heart series it's really nicely done the way she does it but it's all these variations of love stories of all kinds of young love and and Sally and Joe and mature love and uh you know Tracy and and JD's evolving love but then you also have second time around love and you have um so it's it's a, a bunch of different versions of of love and it's interesting to see it and I think she does a really good job of weaving that into amazing stories with intrigue and 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 plot twists and crossing countries and all kinds of I mean explosions and and so I would say that it is prop there are some stories that are steamier but then there are a few the heart series probably started off milder so it's probably not until you get to the to the later parts of the series that they get a little racier okay the gems and gent ones probably are middle ground to work to really racy depending on who the character is because some of them it just fits the vibe of the character like okay there's there's going to be a level of steam that just comes because joshua is joshua um and if you know then you know so it just really depends on the character there's there's a little less steam when you see fire but that's because she's the youngest in the series but so there's a lot of implication in any window but not as much like actual on page like on the page on but the page but, sex. okay but the but the the relationship evolution is, for fire and her person is just is is worth every time you meet her like every time you any any story that she enters the pages you're like yeah i i gotta follow her 
it's for anybody. It's for anybody who loves a good story. It's for anybody who loves a good romance. It's for anybody who, I mean, we're, when I say mature love, I'm talking about, you know, widows. I'm talking about divorcees. I'm talking about secret children. I'm sorry. There's all kinds of relationships and all kinds of types of love. You can, you'll be looking at two or three different relationships happening at the same time and crossing over. And then sometimes you get like a little novella that has like one couple's just their story, but they overlap. Um, but it's it's a beautiful to me um, landscape of black love of you know successful people, especially, um, but also but not so successful that they're removed from the everyday and the plight of of regular people. So again, approachable but also inspirational and aspirational. Oh, which is good. So do you have a favorite of the Heart series or the Gems and Gents series? Or you just like them all? I mean, it's it's really hard (laughs) for me to choose a favorite because it's my favorite until I read the The next next one. one. (laughs) Yeah. Because in every one, she's, I feel like you get to see her evolve as a writer, but also see these characters evolve. I love Ashley and James's story. So the Heart of Him is probably one. Um, in the original Heart series, in the Gems and Gents, it's hard. Oh, it's hard because they they're not done yet. There's still some Gents and Gems to be uh, stories to come. It's really tough because yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it is because everyone like it takes it to the next. Yeah, you know, um, I would be remiss. Joshua uh, for the Gems and Gents, Joshua's book one and two, always a winner. But also Samuel's story. I can't remember the name of it, but Samuel's story uh, with Cynthia who we meet in the heart series is a pretty fun one. They are, they're an interesting couple. So uh, their dynamic is pretty interesting. So I'll probably say that. Mm -hmm. Is this a series that should be read in order? So do we start with the, start with the first one or do we, um, or can we just like pick up anyone? I would start with, I would this, because it is a series Mm -hmm. I think it should be read in order. So I think you start with um, the heart kind of series. Yeah, I think you start with with the heart series, book one, once you touch the heart. The gems and gents kind of evolved as offshoots. So they kind of have an order of their own. So the first one in the gems and gents is teach me. And so I will say that they're, uh, they're not in the order of the children. So they don't go first child, second child. They but right. but their stories kind of inter, intertwine in a way. So it's kind of mm-hmm, but definitely it. for the for, for the, the heart series, you want to read it in order because order. otherwise you will miss the nuances of right. from story to story that kind of connect the thread of of the main story that is the intrigue that is the so you'll be completely lost if you get to the re-election and you don't under you haven't read the ones before it because there's so many building blocks that she's laid along the way that you won't when they're talking about characters you won't know who's what and why it matters so definitely read them in order got it okay thank you Mm -hmm. so it seems like we've touched on a lot here but you know we've only touched on a handful of books that qualify as just great black love stories everybody go out there get your hands on these books and continue to discover the wonderful world of black love stories thank you so much for listening and guest host 
Thank you so much for putting in your recommendations. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you. So that's it for this episode. Please subscribe to Nerdy Romantics Podcast wherever you get your podcast to be notified anytime a new episode drops. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review. The links are in my show notes at ymnelson.com, along with a lot of other links for books and other items that we talked about on our show. And if you really like what you're hearing, click the buy me a coffee button while you're there to support us. Thank you for listening. Star date, not too distant future. Brandon is a diehard Trekkie. He's watched every Star Trek franchise episode multiple times. He has several cosplay and collectible uniforms in his closet. Commander Will Riker is his favorite cosplay character, and he's been to dozens of conventions. But he's never met or gotten in a fight with another Trekkie like Phoenix. Phoenix is looking forward to her first Star Trek convention until she meets Brandon. He's nothing like the Riker character she loves to hate. He's combative, socially awkward, and off-putting. But he's so adorable. Phoenix and Brandon keep running into each other, each time more heated than the next. With three days of convention to get through, will they get past the hostility and find what they know is there? Attraction and perhaps love? This is the premise of Stardate, a free e-story for my newsletter subscribers, available on February 1st. If you like Trekkie romance, romantic comedy, or just like to see a little grumpy sunshine trope, this story is for you. Go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe and get your free copy.